Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Michael K. Michael, are you ready to do this? I am ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Michael is a certified financial planner and the president of Financial Life Focus, a fee-only registered investment advisor, meaning that they are legally required to put their clients' interests ahead of their own. He's also a speaker and an author. I'm excited to have you on. Michael, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why it is you do what you do. Oh, great! Thank you, George. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here and uh, and and just take off some of the energy that uh, that you provide for your listeners. So, uh, so a little bit about me. I am. I, I consider myself the ultimate left-handed introvert, uh, which basically means I really enjoy providing space and freedom for others to express themselves, their views, their fears, their dreams, and that to me gives me a great amount of joy. Uh, personally, uh, I'm married to the, to the same woman for almost 41 years. Uh, we have a daughter and a son who are both married to spectacularly amazing partners. Uh, and, uh, we're super lucky to have them within 30 minutes of our home. Nice. Uh, and we have one granddaughter who will be two in September, who I'm just a tiny bit in love with. <laughs> uh, um, I have a very wide uh, variety of interests from roasting my own coffee to brewing kombucha, um, learning how to play, play guitar and, uh, I'm working on a novel. Good for you. Yeah. Um, you know, so other than the, the two books that I've written for, uh, uh, uh consumers and for, uh, financial planners, I also am a contributor to Forbes, uh, to Inc and to psychology today. Uh, so that's a little bit about me. I actually, I started my career, my professional career as an accountant and a CPA for almost 10 years. And, uh, after almost 10 years, I joined a friend of mine in his financial services company. And I found out in fairly short order that, um, uh, me trading financial advice for selling a product was not one that was really a good fit for me. And I beca- be- began kind of porting what I do more back to the fee side and uh, established Financial Life Focus back uh, right after 9-11, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, currently, we are comprised of uh, four senior advisors, an associate planner, who, uh, coincidentally enough, I know I heard you had Carolyn McClanahan on uh, several episodes ago, mm-hmm. and uh, who's a physician. Well, our associate planner is also a, an, an ER doc who is transitioning into financial planning. Wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, we have uh, three members of our client support team, and I'm just, we have clients all over the country, and I'm just blessed to have amazing colleagues and uh, and and wonderful clients who get what we do and who uh, uh, we build great relationships, and that's what we do. And that's what that's that's what we do, and that's what uh, gives life its juice. Isn't that the truth? And that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing all that. So. Tell me a little bit about um, your process, and you refer to it as financial life planning. So just talk to me a little bit about that. Sure. Well, financial, I'll, I'll dial, I'll dial the, the clock back a little bit. And when 
I started in, in, in the financial services business and, and started moving into financial planning per se. And back in the day, you know, I'm, 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 age, I'm dating myself, but back in the day, uh, financial planning was really a quantitative process. Give me your numbers. Tell me what your goals are. We'll uh, put together some assumptions and we'll run your numbers out. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that from time to time, that clients, uh, w- when, when I would deliver the plan, the clients would say, mm, that wasn't exactly what I meant, or, you know, maybe it's more this or more that. And what it really screamed to me was that, you know, I'm spending all this time and energy in, in helping people develop a plan, but if I'm not getting it 100% right, I'm doing something wrong. And I started asking around and doing a little bit of research, and, and I, I heard about financial life planning. And in particular, uh, I, I read George Kinder's book, uh, uh, Seven Stages of Money Maturity. And I heard about a, a, uh, a company out in, at the time was out in Polesbo, Washington called Money Quotient. And uh, which uh, was, uh, who was run by Carol Anderson, who was one of the pioneers of the life planning movement. And I traveled out to Polesbo, Washington, which is this tiny town on the Kitsap Peninsula, west of Seattle. You get there, you can, you can drive like a thousand miles to get there from Seattle or take a, take a ferry across and, you know, uh, and, and you're there. And sitting in this tiny little room uh, in this really tiny little house in this really tiny little town, uh, I, 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 uh, I heard Carol talk about how you know, the adult learning model and how what we learn as children, uh, you know, helps create our beliefs, uh, our beliefs, behaviors and habits into adulthood and how we need to understand that our, these beliefs, behaviors and habits are really self-constructed from what we learn as children. And it was like, whoa, I had one of those whoa moments where I kind of like, and I really had to internalize that and, and really think about that and how, what that meant to me and what that meant to, you know, what my beliefs, behaviors and habits were and where they came from. Uh, so but to, to answer your question more directly, and, and I can, if, if you're interested, I can go on to a little bit more about that story. But the idea was that the qualitative aspects of understanding people's money stories, uh, uh, understanding what people's beliefs are why they have the habits they do, why they have the beliefs they have, why they have the behaviors they do, it really comes from, you know, how they, what they associate with money and uh, what they learned growing up. You know, so, you know, money can equal, you know, for some money equals power, money, money equals uh, control, money equals freedom. For some money equals evil uh, or trouble. So everyone gets to kind of define based on their experiences what money is. Uh, so this qualitative aspect of people's beliefs and how they and, and through what lens they see the world becomes that other part of the financial planning process that allows us to kind of put together people's beliefs and behaviors and habits and how they see the world with, uh, with the numbers. So the financial life planning, in fact, really brings together the, that quant and the qual together to kind of form a whole that really addresses the client. Um, it really uh, is astounding because once you can get people to listen, to talk, and they feel heard, and they don't feel judged, 
and they don't feel like, you know, you're sitting there going, you know, <laughs> you know, or I can't believe you did that or, you know, whatever. Right. And that we're here to listen and to help. You know, we ask questions like, you know, what would what would help you put your, you know, be able to put your head on the pillow at night? Or what are the things that keep your head off the pillow at night? What are the things, and we, we call it, you know, we want to increase your pillow factor. Mm. We, we talk about things like, let's start a, the conversation, not with, you know, oh, I want to have a boat or I want to buy, buy an island or, you know, but let's start with the musts. What, you know, what must happen in order for you to feel that you're moving on the right in the right direction or that you have a higher level of satisfaction. So let's talk about those musts first and let's address those. You know, we, we never talk about best case scenarios because it's kind of silly, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but let's, let's talk about what happens if, you know, those life transitions and those situations, you know, what if you're working in a career that is going away you know, we've seen that or, you know, we, we're, we're seeing that in, in industries today that we never, ever expected that was going to happen. And we, we're seeing it starting to happen in the law profession where jobs are getting outsourced uh, to other countries. And what does that portend for the, you know, 14 zillion attorneys that are out there? Mm -hmm. um, so the idea is to think about, you know, where am I today and how am I situated? What's my health look like? What's my relationship with my family? What is my, my career? What about my leisure time? What is my, uh, my physical house look like? What, you know, what does my money life look like? Where, where am I satisfied? Where am I not satisfied? You know, there's no such thing as perfection because it's, it, everything changes on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. You know, I, I talk to my kids and, 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 and they're all hardworking and I hear sometimes, you know, them complain about, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting enough time to exercise or I'm not feeling that I, you know, have enough time to, you know, my own time or whatever. I'm saying, yeah, you know, it's not an, it's, it's not a, uh, there's no such thing as, well, I'm going to do 20% of this and 20% right. of this and 20% of that. <laughs> and that's how I'm going to cut up my day. And it just doesn't work that way. So there are going to be times when you really have to put the, you know, really have to, uh, put more effort into work and then when you're not working you got to take your pedal off you know you take your foot off the pedal and put your attention to something else so it's not always equal and that's okay it's you have to kind of accept those things yeah i appreciate that very much it is not a game of perfect and work-life balance is an absolute myth so <laughs> yeah completely completely i think that that is all really really excellent stuff and i couldn't agree with you more that so often we neglect why it is that I am the way that I am with, with money. And it's everything you were talking about. It's how I was raised with it and just all, all, all those different things. So you know as, as well as I do that, that Americans are, are struggling with their finances. So what's an area that if people made an improvement would, would give them the greatest opportunity to, to move forward more successfully, do you think? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I, I think that th there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple of things. So let me, let me just talk a little bit about this whole idea of uh, people alleviating the financial bullies in their lives. Hmm. And the financial bullies are not only 
in the you know in in the industry in the financial industry you know that works really hard and spends tons and tons of money to keep financial matters uh, a, a big mystery and it's the black box uh, and also to create financial dependence but also societally to each other you know uh, people unwittingly or unknowingly uh, because they're just not aware or present to it, become financial bullies to each other, you know, uh, or just looking at someone else. Uh, I'm not rich enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not driving the right car. I don't live in the right house. I don't send my kids to the right school. Uh, I, I don't work in the in the right company. Uh, you know, all these things that we are always, where we live in judgments. And I think the one thing that we, we can do is to try and uh, check out of that you know, kind of get off that line of, of, you know, yes, we all sort information constantly. We see someone, we go, wow, that's a, they're really dressed beautifully. They dress nicer than I am. Well, that's what they value. Okay. And that's okay. It's okay for them to value that. Or they're driving, you know, uh, a Lamborghini or, or whatever. And, and it's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm driving something else that is I feel is affordable for me, but it doesn't make me less of a person. It just means what do I value most? So if there's one thing that's, that people can do is to take some time and think about what they value most. What is it they care about that at the end of the day, you know, is to them is, is true for them. So for some people it might be, Hey, they value getting their kids educated to the best degree possible. And there might be someone else who says, you know what, and, and uh, well, like for that first person, they might say, I'm going to spend, you know, private educate, private college, pri private high school, private college, graduate school, medical school, whatever, whatever my kids want, I'm going to write the check for 100 percent because that's what I value. And then there might be someone else who says, you know what, uh, if my child goes to public high school, goes to a state university, and if they go on to graduate school, they can foot the bill or whatever. I'm going to contribute what I contribute, and that's what I value. And you know what? Neither one of them is wrong. Right. And I think we need, as a society, to be able to accept that what someone else does is what they value, and that we don't have to we don't have to judge it, we don't have to put it into a right or wrong, we don't have to feel bullied to do something beyond. And I, I was talking with a, I gave a, a talk in New York uh, not too long ago, and someone stood up, uh, a young woman who's just in the workforce and has got student loan debt. And, and she was saying how if she does anything for herself, she feels terribly guilty because like, well, I should just be putting every nickel I have that I'm not spending on rent or my fixed expenses to um, paying off my student loans. And I said, well, isn't there a middle ground? Right. Isn't there one that would give you a level of satisfaction uh, that you're not living a monk's existence uh, and that you're having it? But you, so it, it doesn't have to be an extreme, but it could be enough that kind of, you know, says, yeah, you're doing a good job. So it's finding what's true for you and not not being a putting more pressure on yourself like, oh, if I'm not. You know, if I don't, if I'm not president of the company in three months, then, you know, it's a failure. Or if I don't have a million, you know, $10 million in the bank by the time I'm 40, you know, I'm horrible or I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I failed my family. It, it's what is it you care about? And what is money? You know, what, what do I look at? Money is money becomes that, that thing of that tool of, 
bringing you to what you really care most about. If it's options and choices and freedom, that's great. If it's making sure your bills are paid and you don't feel you're not getting threatening phone calls and collection notices and things like that, what is it that makes you feel safe? What is it that allows you that comfort of knowing, I'm doing okay. I'm never going to be the richest person on the planet financially, but that's okay. I have my family. Right now I have my health. We, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So therefore, if we're thinking too far into the future of the what ifs and the maybes and the possiblies and, you know, I'm going to live till I'm 116 and I'm going to be healthy and, you know, I'm going to die running a, you know, running a, a marathon when I'm you know, <laughs> 115. And we're like, uh, 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 come on, let's, you know, <laughs> let's deal with reality here. We are where we are right now. And we can only make these decisions and these choices for where we are today. And, Yes, we want to look at the future. We want to think about things like what happens if my job's in jeopardy or how do I protect my family or, you know, am I taking enough risk or too much risk in my investments and kind of these blocking and tackling things. Do I have a will? Do I have power of attorney? You know, have I have I done what I can do on the nuts and bolts issues and am I being a good steward for my beliefs and my values? I think that that's all excellent, excellent, excellent advice and, and excellent thoughts. And for whatever reason, it does feel to me that people maybe don't have as clear a picture or as clear an idea of what their actual values are. And it's incumbent upon each of us to take a little bit of time, not a ton, but to really put pen to paper and to, to really clarify, these are the things that are most important to me. These are the things that I really, really believe in. Do you have practical advice to people on, on how to go through an exercise like that? Or is it simply, you know, book out a little bit of time and have a cup of coffee or whatever? Well, I, I think there's a, there's a couple of things that, that, that we can do as individuals. And the first thing is uh, uh, find, find a place where you're, you're unplugged. You know, get off Wi-Fi, get off your iPad, your cell phone, your whatever, get off your computer and just think about it. Think about where you are and start having conversation with the people, with the other stakeholders in your in your life, the people that you love and ask questions and really listen. You know, what do you care about? What do you want? You know, what what are the things that are working well? Let's celebrate the things that we that are working well for you. What are the things that we value and that we can celebrate and feel good about? What successes? And I think starting off with the positives. It's really easy to go, well, this stinks and this is bad and this is a problem. And this, but th- that's that is the you know. If uh, I'm a, a big believer in, a, in appreciative inquiry and this whole idea of you know, like, let's start. The, the negatives are out there. We don't forget the negatives. But let's start with the positives. Let's start with things that we can celebrate. And then let's talk about in a positive, uh, appreciative manner of how we want to move forward and understand each other's money stories, understand where we come from and why we think that we do what we do and how can we uh, and, and do those beliefs, behaviors and habits support us in 
that value. So we know where we are today. We look at where we are today. We think about the future. We have to look at the past to understand with, can we get to the future from our present based on these beliefs, behaviors, and habits that were formulated as children? And do we have to do some modification? And what can we do to support any changes or shifting that needs to be done in order to help us move in that direction? And then creating small steps and check-ins. And whether it's a weekly conversation, a safe money conversation, uh, you know, that helps us have these tiny little conversations that can help us support each other. Who needs to be on the team to help us? Do we need to work with a therapist? Uh, You know, who, uh, the accountant, the planner, you know, the, uh, the attorney, who are the people that need to support us in the, in the strategy sides and maybe in some of the emotional sides when it comes to a, a therapist who can really help us, live the best life that we can because we have to start with the belief that we deserve to feel rich because we're living in alignment with our values. I love it. Well, Michael, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip, even though I think we've already given them a lot. But what do you have for them? (laughs) Well, I guess it's to create a process to communicate effectively with your loved ones and your community. And create that time, space, and intention to actively listen and share experiences. I think sharing your stories helps others gain insight, you know, and understanding. And if you have a problem uh, with really connecting to listening, learn to listen, really engage. Um, and I, I just want to, one of my favorite quotes, uh, Max Dupree said, we cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. And, and, and I, I think it's just so powerful to say we're, we're all kind of on this continuum. And just because, the, you know, what we were as children, what we were as teenagers, what we were as, you know, in our 20s and 30s, whatever, uh, we, we, we might need to be something different next. So we need to be constantly growing and thinking about what skills, habits, abilities uh, and attitudes do we need to, to bring us into the into each successive stage? But we want to do it openly and joyfully. That is great stuff. That definitely gets come on. Come on. So, oh. Michael, thank you for that. Um, where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Well, uh, you can learn more about me and uh, my firm at uh, financial-lifefocus.com or on michaelfk.com. Uh, those are the two websites. One is my office, my, 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 my firm. And the other is, uh, my book, uh, my books and my speaking and, and my articles, uh, also on Twitter at my, at Michael FK or at thin life focus. Um, and I'm always happy to engage with people who have questions or, you know, just want to share a thought or share a money story. Um, they can, you know, read read my work on on Forbes or on Inc or on Psychology Today, uh, and if you're going to Google Michael K, make sure you put the F in there. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, you wind up with Michael K, the Yankee announcer, uh, and you'll read all about him. So, excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Michael your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to financial. 
uh, hyphen lifefocus.com or michaelfk.com and uh, follow him on Twitter and everywhere else that you can find him. So thank you again, Michael. Thank you, George. It was a great pleasure. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!